First Corinthians seven verse seven. We're going to start. First Corinthians chapter seven verse seven. The Bible says this: For I would that all men were even as myself, but every man hath his proper gift of God, one after this manner and another after that. I say therefore to the unmarried and widows, it is good for them that they abide even as I. But if they cannot contain, let them marry, for it is better to marry than to burn. And unto the married I commend, yet not I, but the Lord, let not the wife depart from her husband. But, and if she depart, let her remain unmarried, or be reconciled to her husband, and let not the husband put away the wife. But to the rest speak I, not the Lord. Now God let him write that in the Bible. If any, man, if any brother hath a wife that believeth not, and she be pleased to dwell with him, let him not put her away. And the woman which hath an husband that believeth not, and if he be pleased to dwell with her, let her not leave him. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Else were your children unclean, but now they're holy. But if the unbelieving depart, let him depart. A brother or sister is not under bondage such cases, but God hath called us, un called us to peace. Let's pray right there. Father in heaven, Lord, and we're looking at another service here, a marriage and family, and it just makes me uncomfortable going through these texts, but, but Lord, you put it in here because it's vitally important that we understand these issues and what's supposed to be the most important thing in our life, and uh, I pray you help us um, see these things in the scripture today, and, and not only that, maybe our lives mirror what you had intended for the marriage relationship for those that are saved and those that are single and those who want to get married, and and I pray, Lord, that you'd bless the Word of God, that you'd mix it with faith in them that believe, and it would be changed, God. I pray you'd fill me with thy Holy Spirit, help me remember the things we studied together. I pray you'd, uh, you would uh, mix work, uh, uh, faith in the Word of those that really want it today, that they'd understand the Bible. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. And I don't know about you, but when I got saved, my life has turned uh, 180. And... Um, if you look at uh, Romans chapter 12, nobody told me that I needed to put God first when I got saved because I realized that He needed to be first. And um, in a marriage relationship, your family relationship, or your your relationships, just basically anybody you know, God God should have the first place in that relationship. And when so when it comes to the marriage experience or life or or the single life it, it we, we ought to take into account what God expects of us okay and so we looked at particularly last week at what God expects before marriage and and, and, and touching and stuff like that this week we're looking at even just the question of should I get married and and um, who sh maybe should be married and why maybe somebody might not want to be married like Paul said that Paul was single okay and so so we're going to look at these things today, but Romans chapter 12, verse 1, it says this. It says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body, a living, your bodies, a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable in God, which is your reasonable service. And so if you're saved today, God expects you to live for him. And it is expected by God that once a man is saved, that he is changed. I don't know about you, when I got saved, then the desires changed and the heart changed. and It wasn't a feeling, it's just all of a sudden I had this desire to hear preaching. It was a desire to have God do something with this life. It was the knowledge that I, I was going to the devil's hell and deserved it. 
and he changed my life. And, and now I want to just do something for him. I, I'll never forget getting done with the Bible conference. And the last song that they played was, I, I, I wonder have I done my best for thee? Or how, you know, I gave my life for thee, have thou done thy best for me? And, and I got to that thing and I thought, I've done nothing for God. He's done everything for me. And, and shouldn't I want to do something back? And, and just try to be a blessing to him instead of just a leech. You know, I, I just, you know, just for a better way to say it, I've received His grace, right? i got a mansion in heaven. I've got a Holy Spirit that's living inside of me. I've got a changed life and all this stuff by virtue of what He has done. And, and why should that not push me to want to do something for Him? I mean, if you love somebody and they're laying down their life for you and you don't do nothing back, it's kind of... Uh, I, I was thinking, are they going to get sick of you? <laughs> You know, if God did all that stuff for you and you just say, thank you, Lord, now I'm going to go do what I want, what does that say to God? And so the idea is that if you are saved, you are supposed to be a follower of God first. And then you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 1, this is the way Paul kind of put it. He said, be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. In other words, you see some things wrong in my life that might not add up to your expectations of what God expects. Don't follow that. <laughs> but if, if you see how I am following God, and you, you ought to start doing that same thing in your life. You ought to start having God at the first place in your life, which, which raises the dilemma, that, uh, and it's a legitimate dilemma, that if we're seeking that heavenly country, what do we do with our earthly relationships? Now, I don't know about you. When I first got saved, I was like, what am I going to do with my unsaved family? I don't really have to worry about that. They were okay almost if I followed the Lord and laughed after a while. They were sick of me, amen. But I'm just telling you is that I got saved and all of a sudden I've got these earthly relationships that I've got to figure out how God wants me to run them. If you look at Hebrews 11, I won't say Paul said that. I don't want to get an argument with anybody. I know some people don't think Paul wrote Hebrews. I do. But Hebrews chapter 11 down to verse 13, he says this, he says, These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but have seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. What is that? I'm, I'm, I'm going to a far country. That's heaven. And, and while I'm here, I'm going to walk by faith. Okay? And it says in verse 14, and, and they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they've been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have opportunity to return. But now they desire a better country that is in And so my, my desire has changed. I remember before I was saved, I was laying up stuff on earth. I looked for hunting. And that's not wrong. I mean, I, I spent my life hunting and fishing. I really did. I didn't even watch the television. I, I figured if I can put $5 worth of fuel in my, my ATV and go ride in the woods and disappear for four hours, it was better than sitting watching people that won't watch TV. You know? Do you ever see any TV programs? Nobody on TV is watching TV. And, and so I thought, why should I watch them? Besides, it's pretty trashy anyway. You know, and, and so my life was changed that day, and, and I thought, well, what could I do for God? What does He want me to do? And, and I, do I really want to do it? <laughs> you know, and, and, and how am I going to deal with the relationships as a result if all of a sudden, you know what my family said when I got back from the first year of Bible? 
Bible school, they said, where's the Matthew that just likes running the six-wheeler and go fishing? I said, well, I'm still there, but I like the Lord first now. And it's just a changed life. It just I can't explain it. That that it is so great when you taste something, you like it, and you want it again. I really like good chocolate. Anybody like to get good chocolate? I like good chocolate. <laughs> and you probably can tell I like something that's making me chubby. But you know, I but I'm telling you, when I got the taste of good solid preaching, I wanted as much as I possibly could get. Nobody told me, hey, you gotta get some preaching. I was listening. I sat the farm track there sometimes eight hours a day, and I'm not listening to eight hours of sermons plus reading my Bible in the morning. I was that hungry, wanting to know. And you say, well, why do you? I didn't want my faith to be built on somebody else's faith. You say, well, why are you listening to preaching? Because the preachers that I had preached were given the Word of God. Though I might have got done with that sermon, it might not agree exactly with the preacher. I got something from God through the preaching. And as a result, it changed my life. It changed who I was. I'm telling you, I, and it wasn't say, well, you just got to listen to this guy or that guy. I had probably 10 or 15 different preachers I was listening to. And when he got done, it would just came, it was vital. <laughs> that was the most important thing. And you know what? The Bible says we should desire the seared seer milk of the word um, that we may grow thereby. And Jesus said that, that man should live by every word. That proceeds out of the mouth of God. And so, what better place to start than in your home life? And in your relationships? Because I guarantee this, if you're doing right before God, your relationships are going to be right. And that's the kind of the idea of our context. And let's go look at it, because we're there already. Believe it or not, that's the introduction. It's only 11.30. You might get out of here by noon. All right. All right, let's go at 1 Corinthians chapter 7, down at verse 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Now let me tell you what this text is not. This text is not telling you to be celibate. <laughs> I don't know if you don't know that the Catholic Church uses this verse. This is their verse, okay? This is it right here. He said, For I would that all men were even as myself, but every man hath his proper gift of God, one after this manner and the other after that. And so that's where they get celibacy, that it's better than if you're not married. And so which kind of goes against, you know, being ever being bishop. <laughs> you know, bishop's husband one wife. Go figure that one. I always wonder how we have Catholic bishops without a wife. You know, I, I, I just guess you throw that part of the Bible out as a lot of people do when they don't agree with something, you know. You just got to put it out there. But, but the fact of the matter is a good, you know, idea from this text is that we need to realize that whatever state we're in, God has gifted you to handle it. That's something that our young single people need. I don't know about you, but God has gifted me to handle what state I'm in. Praise the Lord. God has gifted you if you're saved. Now, if you're not saved, you're not going to have it. But He has gifted you to handle what state you're in. I don't think there was ever a place in my life where I didn't want to be married. And I didn't want to have a wife or somebody to talk to when I got home from work. I can remember the, the 10 or 12 years it was that I was alone. I lived for 10 or 12 years in a house by myself. 
And that's just the way it was. And you get home and you hope you have a family and you're glad for those people that have the, a burden for single people that you can go at least for a holiday out, you know. And I, I don't know if you've ever, my wife's testifying, and that, it's just true. But God gifted me to have, you know what? And I look back, I don't think I could have served God the way I did if I wasn't single. I have never been on so many missions trips. But the thought is, is that if I'm going to serve God, He has gifted me to handle it. Look at Romans chapter 11 for a minute. Romans chapter 11. The whole idea is now that I'm saved, and let me step back for a minute. I'm saved, and I want to live for God first, whether I'm married or single. Okay? And so, it, it, you, I don't know about you, but I'd start quoting Scripture back to God. I'm a, I'm, God, it's not good for man to be alone. That's what you put in the Bible. You believe that? I think you believe that. You know, how come I'm single? And I, I don't understand that. You know, I mean, it's, it's not good. It, it, I don't think it is. That's why those kids are being molested over there at the Church of Rome. But just not good. But on the other side of that thing, for God's people that are saved, they should be able to handle it. Amen. And you shouldn't have to go to the world and look like the world. Look at Romans chapter eleven, down at verse twenty-nine. Romans chapter 11, verse 28 says, For the gifts and the calling of God are without repentance. And so He's gifted you. And you should be able to handle that thing wherever you're at. And I, and I, you know, the best thing you could say is, Thank you, Lord, for the way I am. I don't know. After I got married, I didn't think I'd ever be ready for it. I thought, oh boy, what I get myself into. Not that we had a bad marriage. I'm just saying, is that the head of the house thing, Lord? Really? <clears throat> I'm, I'm responsible for all this stuff, and that's what you're telling okay. Anybody read the qualifications for a good husband in the Bible, you get scared pretty quick. <laughs> and if a wife read the qualifications for her position in a marriage, it'd make her pretty scared too. <laughs> you know? I mean, you've got to be submitted to that. <laughs> really? But the fact of the matter is, is God wants you to be able to handle it, and the Bible says that He's gifted you so that you can do it if you're saved. Look over at 1 Corinthians 12 for a minute. You've got a gift if you're saved. Does anybody know 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and it's not water baptism? I had a Church of Christ guy come out and tell me at the carnival that uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, that was water baptism. I said, Wow. You mean it's the opposite of what it says, right? 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13, it says, For by one Spirit we're all baptized into one body. So much for the area that's teaching that you get into the body of Christ because you've been sprinkled. You know, that's what is going on in the, right outside your doors. This church over here teaches that if you've got a little sprinkling when you're a kid, you're part of God's family now. I ran an un, untold numbers of Lutherans that say they're going to heaven because they've been sprinkled. But the Bible says by one spirit, we're all baptized. So how do you get that? Once you want to know how to get that spirit, then I'll give you the answer. It's Ephesians 1.13. But the fact of the matter is, is that you have the Holy Spirit if you're saved, and we're not necessarily on a message for salvation today, and you've been gifted. And if you look back at, at verse 7, it says, the manifestation of the spirit is given to every man to profit with. I don't know how my parents and family would have got saved if I wasn't there to help. I was so glad after I was saved that I was single that I could go home without a family and witness to my parents. I don't know about you. I, I was at the hospital for almost six years straight, Paul testified. 
And I couldn't have did that married. My kids would probably hate my guts. And I just look at, I got married right when my mom died. I was married with, was it even a, at least I, was, I had a relationship almost a month after that. The last, my last parent died that I was taking care of, it was a month later. I think my mom had just died, wasn't it? Or was my dad? No, my mom had just died. And uh, when we met, but but I, I could see that God used the position I was in. At looking back, I wasn't happy about it, but I see that it was necessary. You know, hindsight's always twenty twenty, isn't it? And so I look back and I see it was necessary. But but I might you know, you're going to have trials in the flesh. You'll see that maybe in the further lesson. But look back at over verse eight of our text. It says this. So the first point is is that God's gifted you to handle your states or you can glorify him. The next point I see is right there at verse 8. It says, I say therefore to the unmarried and widowed, it is good for them if they abide even as... Well, you know that he was single. And why would you say that? Here, are you ready for this one? Less earthly attachments equal more time for God. Right? That's two. Less earthly Attachments equal more time for God. I don't know that you're doing that, but if you're saved today and you're single, that's what you should be doing in God's opinion. Okay? And so Paul's saying, because I'm single, I can serve God more. He's not saying become single, okay? Unmarried and widows have opportunity to serve God in ways married people cannot. They just, you know, i got to take care of kids. It's, it's difficult. I mean, you will not believe how long I used to be able to leave and go out on visitation for four hours. Try and do that with two kids. All of a sudden, Rebecca, yeah, I'm at, well, I was out on visitation on Friday, which I think Friday in America has become a new Saturday. Right. Everybody was home. And Rebecca hit this thing and scun both of her knees, and all of a sudden the, it turned from witnessing to how do I patch up two bloody knees and um, stop her from crying, you know? And, and it just she is happy. I mean, you don't look at her knees too close; it looks like you're abusing her, but she just is really active. And and then my son's over picking on the guy's apple tree, and he has to go. <clears throat> and I already told him to stop it. I said, quit. You, know, you just need to quit. But the good thing was, is the guy was saved, and, and the kids finally did listen. But but it's. Do you really think that it's a high? The point is, this, do you think it's a high calling of God to serve Him? Mm -hmm. It is. If you look over at Philippians chapter three, that's what God says. Now you're saved. This should be your high calling. Philippians chapter three. <laughs> I don't know how much of this I want to do. Look at. We'll start at verse thirteen. Paul says this, he says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, and reach forth into those things which are before. I, I had that in my life. My life went from six-wheeling, swimming, fishing, hunting, living just, you know, a work life. That I, that's all I did. I could, I could work almost 18 hours a day every day, and I just love it. And then if I get out an hour, I go ride my six-wheeler and come at it's dark, I go to bed, get up, and start it all over again. So I, I can't, I bet you there's been 
almost four or five summers straight as on the tractor, it, starting in July, almost up to 9.30 at night every night. I just the way my life was, unless it was raining to get it from the fall day. But once I was saved, now all of a sudden I got that time for the Lord. And you know what happened when I got done work down in the cities? I was preaching at the Twins games on the way home from work. And I'm telling you, I was the only one down there, and I get down there and start preaching. I've never been down there one time where God hadn't brought somebody in and helped me. And I don't even know where they came from. I don't even know who the people were. <laughs> and I was like, this is amazing. I can stop from work on the way home, preach on the Twins games, and still go back, and God sends somebody to help me. I don't have to organize it. <laughs> Amen. I just thought, you know what? Because it's a high calling to serve God. It says, verse 14, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us, therefore, as many as be perfect, are you sanctified and perfected in Christ? Be thus minded. Okay? And so God says it's a high calling to serve Him. And if you're single, you can use the less attachments in your life to do so. If you don't have kids, you have a lot more free time. I don't remember. We have about maybe a year without kids, and I can't even remember what it's been like. I'm just telling you. It just changes your life. And, and it's a good change, but it's a hard time. And, and you have to learn that there's self-sacrifice involved. There really is. And, and, and it takes a lot of time. And, and, and I know the, 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 the end of this is going to be far better than not having had them. And I'm not, I'm not being selfish. I'm just saying it's a great blessing. But, but if you're single, maybe use it for God. If you're married, don't have children, use it for God. If you're married, well, you've got more work, but you should use it for God. <laughs> That's just basically the idea of the context. Uh, um, you know, Matthew's, I think it's Mark 6, 33, says to seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And so in your life, you're, if, if you're thinking right, either single or married, your thought should be, how can I serve God best? He told you to seek it first. The kingdom of God is, again, you know the verses, right? Luke 17, 21. I think it's Romans 14, uh, 11, is it? Luke 17, no, 14, 17. That's what it is. And so it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost, and lo, the kingdom of God is within you. It's, it's so the kingdom of God is when the Holy Spirit comes and lives and dwells in you. You think that the Holy Spirit doesn't want people saved? Does the Holy Spirit want people saved? And where is he at? He's in, he's inside the believers and in heaven at the same time. It's not wrong. But if he's inside you, doesn't it want you, you know, are you moving that way? Thinking of your best friend that's maybe not saved? Do you see what I'm saying? It's, it, it's just a change that takes place. And I can't explain it. I remember the first time I, I was scared to death of witnessing. <laughs> I really was. And I was thinking, why do I want to do this? <laughs> I'm going to make a fool of myself. Well, maybe it was because somebody needs to get saved. First time I went out, so Anton, you can pray for him. Anton Del Monte made a profession of Christ first time I went out with this. I've been praying for him for almost 20 some years. I don't know what's ever happened to him. <laughs> I hope something good. I wish that it would still keep happening that way. And maybe God just doesn't want us to see it, but, but I know that it's not, the gospel is still powerful and it can still save people. And so again, less surgically attachments equal more surgery. Verse 9. Go back over to our context. Verse 9. 79 says this, but if they cannot contain, let them marry, for it is better to marry than to burn. A desire for a family, and if you want a family and a relationship, you should do so. 
and not sitting around burning with lusts. You need to make you need to make sure you make tracks that way, and there's ways that you do that. You know, I mean, there's right ways to try to find a spouse. And if I was going to find a spouse, I'd get busy as I possibly could serving God and working out the problems in my life so that when I get married, all of a sudden I don't have a problem I need to get worked out with that is going to cause me to have contention with my wife. I'm telling you. I think a lot of times that God's like, okay, I don't know that he's ready yet. Matthew needs some work, you know, and here it is. And so you're single. I'm telling you what, when I got married, things changed quite a bit. And if I had some of the attachments that I had before time, it would have been like, oh, what is wrong with this guy? You know, you say, but I'm just telling you. And so God might be holding you off on that thing because he don't want you to make shipwreck in a marriage. And so the thought is, the third one is, is that you should marry a saved person, if you're saved, to avoid lust. Well, that's a lot different than I was taught as a kid. You know what I was taught as a kid? Part of the sacrament, so it's holy orders. I think it might have been the fifth sacrament. You can't get married. I was like, what? That makes me not want to be in your profession. You know, I want a family. I grew up with siblings and we have fun playing. Well, I don't want to be alone. Me go sit in the corner in a, of a church drinking a 24-pack like a priest did. You know, it's just kind of weird, you know. But I think uh, Fitzgerald just, he, he couldn't handle it. So he'd have a, a, he'd open the bar after church in back. You know, there's a bar right in the church. But, you know, it, the best thing is is to have things done God's way. And uh, if you're lusting, it's kind of hard to serve God with that. It really is. Look over at Matthew chapter 5. I mean, we might have had this verse last week. I'm not sure. But if it bears reading again, Matthew chapter 5, <clears throat> down at verse 28. <coughs> well, look at 27. He said, Ye have heard that it was said by them of old, thou shalt not commit adultery. Right? He says, but I say unto you, that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after... This, does everybody understand this is Jesus speaking? And he says, whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his... In other words, God said you're just as guilty as if you did the act if you're just looking to do it. You know what? You better not. That's called burning with lust. And you need to take care of that thing. And you better marry a safe person. That's somebody else that's. What, what better to have two people sold out to live for God that when one's down, the other one can encourage them? And that's why it's danger, dangerous for a person that is saved to marry somebody that's not sold out to serve God because guess what will happen? It'll pull them away. The whole thought is, is that if you're married, it better be in the Lord, and it's so you can serve God, and you don't want to be burning with lust. That's point three. What a deep point. <laughs> but that's a lot different than what I was taught, and I think a lot of people are taught. And so, well, there it is. Go, let's go back to um, 10, um, 1 Corinthians 7, 10. Again, we're in matters concerning marriage, but the whole idea is that I'm getting married so I can serve God better. Or I'm going to have a relationship so I'm saying I want to serve God. Okay? Verse 10. 
1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10, he says, But unto the married I command, yet not I, but the Lord, let not the wife depart from her husband. But, and if she depart, let her remain unmarried, or be reconciled to her husband, and let not the husband put away his... Well, here's another deep one. Married people ought to stay together. Isn't that deep? Why do we need points like this? Well, I think it's a picture of what God did for us. Um, maybe we should do Ephesians here. Um, go over to Ephesians. I don't know if it's 5 or 6. I don't have it in my notes right, I don't think. But Ephesians chapter 5, down at verse 23, I think is where I'm going to start. The Bible says this. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. He is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, let the wife be their own husbands and everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church. They're part of God's family. How did Christ love the church? Did he, did he have a, a mansion ahead of time and a place in heaven and everybody serving him? Everybody doing something for him? He didn't have to go down and seek his bride. But he did. He said, for God so loved the world that he gave. And that's the difference. People think that they get in marriage. And what a good marriage is kept by is giving. It's a big difference. The wife gives what she can. The husband gives what she can. he can to make the marriage better. And to serve God together. It's, it's a family's sake. It, doesn't it just hold it together? When, when you both are laying down your lives, you don't want to disappoint the other one. I'll tell you what, you want to know the people that are going to struggle. It's when one of the, or the other don't want to serve God in the marriage. Right? But, but husbands are told how to love. You know what? If a husband laid down his life like Christ did for the church, it'd be kind of hard for that woman not to love him. And if the wife said, you know what, if he did that for me, I'm going to, I'm going to love him back and lay down my life. Because that's what, we just read that, uh, uh, Romans 12, 1, that's what, you know, you're to be a living sacrifice. And that, that's how a good marriage stays together. And so, so God says that's how you love. And so, verse 26, that he makes sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the Word in verse twenty-eight. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. And he that loveth his wife loveth them self. That's the way it ought to be. God stay together. If they depart for a while, you better pray start coming back. If they're not living out well, I mean, I don't know what the problem is, you know. But that's what he's saying. All right, let's look back over at twelve. Two more things to, three more things here. Verse uh, twelve, First Corinthians chapter seven, verse twelve says. But to the rest speak I, not the Lord. Obviously the Lord wanted this included. But Paul's saying, I don't have any scripture in the Old Testament that I can call it's quote scripture. You know, and, and he gets here and says, I'm speaking this. If any brother hath a wife that believeth not, and she be pleased to dwell with him, let him not put her away. And the woman who hath the husband that believeth not, if he be pleased to dwell with her, let, let her not leave him. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. 
If you are married to an unbeliever, this is a big question. I'm saved, right? I just got saved. Now do I dump my wife and go out and find somebody that's saved? I mean, and so in the context, it's like, I'm going to address that. If they will stay with you, you better make that thing work. And that's what he says. You need to make it work. Why? We don't need everybody in the church that be divorced. You know, well, they get saved and they leave their wives and go down to that church. Did you see the testimony in town? Oh, yeah, he got Jesus. Now he got rid of his wife. Yeah. <laughs> or she got Jesus. Now they're down there together. I mean, it really looks bad. And the Bible tells us to avoid the appearance of, of evil. If you look at, uh, I'll give it to you. First Thessalonians 5. We'll go there. Might as well. We'll still get done. That's good. First Thessalonians chapter 5. Verse 22. The Bible says, Abstain from all appearance of <coughs> evil. Well, they're married. You, you don't want to just leave your wife. They want to stay with you, stick it out. The very God of peace sanctify you wholly. I pray, God, your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless until the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. <coughs> the thought is, is that you still got children in that thing. And you better make sure that they can get the gospel. And how is that going to work if you depart in their unbelief? That's a big deal to God. These guys right here coming up, I didn't think much. When I was single, I didn't understand how God recirculated this whole church thing and how the family thing really worked. And I looked at it as like, they're the future. This church, if we don't have kids, we're done. Because it's not going to take long. I'm already, I can't believe I'm going to I don't want to tell you how old I am. But... But I don't think, I look at it and I think, i got less time forward than I have already. According to God. Now, I don't know if I'm going to make it to 100. Some do. I, probably not me. <laughs> I don't know. I want to live that long anyway. But I want somebody coming after me that's going to preach the gospel. And the thought is, is that if now I'm saved, now I just leave my kids and go, no, you can't do that. Because why? Spiritually healthy parents are the best way to produce spiritually healthy children. Right? So... Stay together. And what, how do I put that in really easy terms? You make make the relationship work. That's what we just covered. If married to unbelievers. Better be considering the children. And the wife. We should put the wife first. Why? Because she might get saved because you love the Lord, you've got such a great life. <laughs> right? I'm saved now, I gotta get rid of you, dear. <laughs> That's just kind of a weird thought. Or your wife goes, Yep, I found the Lord, I don't need you anymore, hubby. <laughs> that would be a rough situation. That's not what God intended. Look over at Acts chapter 16 for a minute on this. Acts chapter 16. It's interesting how the conversion of this man is also lumped into with his family. If you look at Acts chapter 16 and down at verse 30, this is a jailer coming out, row 29, and he called for a light, sprang in, and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them up and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved, and thy house. God wants the whole thing saved. 
and that's it's good for one it's, it's good for the other why who is going to teach your kids the Bible better than you I mean that's the thought if you're saved and in the house and the, and the spouse is lost guess what you're still there and you can do, do look at Deuteronomy 6 for a minute this is something that got lost our families in America are falling apart we just face it it's just the way it is and it's it, and part of the, the the loss of that is is the spiritually healthy children it's true and uh, I'm not trying to hurt anybody I don't I don't know where you're at and I, they might have very faithful children and praise God for it and probably do I hope mine turn out right you know and that's all you can do is do your best and let let God sort it out but Look what God said should be in the thought of people as they, they travel around this world. Look down verse uh, 5. The Bible says this, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And so God wants you to hide his word in your heart. You understand that? That's that God always has intended for you to memorize as much scripture as you can. He always gets. That's why we have verses. I'm not going to stop putting verses up on the board. Okay? I, as long as I'm here, I think that needs to be done. Why? Because it helps you in your thought processes, especially when you've got to deal with decisions. And so, why should it be in your heart as a father or mother? Look at verse 7. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. You know, I, I, I sometimes see that. it's it. We, we need to get that, you know. And that diligent thing, maybe my children aren't as good as they should because, you know, I, I didn't do what I should. You know, I tell you, we've been struggling all week with these verses, haven't we, son? I just, I started Wednesday trying to get this big, long verse in there. He's almost got it. But it's big for a, a young man to get a verse every week. And then Micaiah saw the next one last week. It's just a little short, you know, excerpt. He goes, hey, Dad, next week's is short. <laughs> and I was like, well, good. I said, well. We're not going to do Jesus wept. I mean, you probably could get that one right now. But <laughs> right, the, the all next week is a little shorter. But in the context, if you're moving around, he says you should, look at this, forget about, I don't know how you could fulfill verse 7 if you have a TV in your house. Look what God says about um, knowing the Bible. He says, thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house. <laughs> And when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up, and thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, that shall be as frontless between thine eyes, thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house and on the gates. And it shall be when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land, whither he sware unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and Jacob, to give to thee the, the great and goodly cities. And um, he, he, he just wants you to have this stuff in your house. Wouldn't it be great if they go inside and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ? That's what Daddy had on there. I'm glad my children have Psalm 23 memorized, even Rebecca. And, and I want them to keep other verses memorized. Because I really think that the, the way for our children to do, move forward is, is that they get trained. And the pastor can do it one hour or how many hours the people come to church. But the, in your house, you can do it all day long. And I'm going to tell you, I'll tell you, I was surprised. You know, if we get callous as we get older. I used to watch these murder mysteries once in a while when I, you know, who are you? Yeah, I, my parents got me hooked on the show. And, and my son came in and somebody was killed in that thing right when it came in. And I, that, that was the end of it. Why did they just, 
did you see that, Dad? And I was like, yeah, I don't want you seeing that. <laughs> and you just start thinking differentness. Now how do I get the verses into them instead of letting them, now I have to deal with nightmares at midnight, <laughs> which happened. And, and there's just a whole new reality. It's like, it really does matter what you put in your children. And if you don't put the right things in, they're not going to turn out as well. They won't have the opportunity to turn out. We understand that Cain and Abel were both from the same household, and one turned out good and one turned out bad, right? And so it's not the parents necessarily fault in this, but, but now why not give them an opportunity? I say, okay, I'm done with you, honey, I'm leaving. Instead, you could sit there and could you, would, could you imagine teaching somebody that's lost the Bible? What a, better, what a better way to be an evangelist if you're saved and your wife isn't or your husband isn't and you get home and start talking about God and you start telling your children about God and maybe your children get saved first and then you... you I, I've seen a lot of home... I, I've seen families turn around this way. I didn't know this, but, but my, some of my best friends, I think Neil was 86 when he went to be with the Lord. I found out that his wife led him to the Lord and she wouldn't date him until he got saved. And he wanted to date her and wanted to date her. And so she says, man, I, I like this guy, but he's not saved. I'm not going to marry him. This was her testimony. I'm going to pray for him, and I'm going to witness to him. And he ended up getting saved. And he was a good friend of mine. We go down the street, preach all this. I didn't know that Zelda was integral in how he got saved. It was even ahead of time. It's like, I love her so much. Well, tell me about your God. <laughs> I want to know about him. And it just is a blessing when, when we put things first like that. And that's how, that's how God intended. Just one more thing. Go back over to, because I have a lot of people, you have to stay unmarried if your wife departs. Well, let's just look at the Bible. There is a stipulation in 1 Corinthians 7, okay? And um, it's, you don't want things like this necessarily to happen, but if the unbelieving depart, do you see that? You're not in bondage. What are you supposed to do? Go find him and keep witnessing to him? I got a friend whose wife departed from him, went and married somebody else, and they had children together, and he had to go over. He kept witnessing to his daughter. Guess who got saved? His daughter. But she's still shacked up, and he can't sit there and say, well, I really just wish I was still married to you, honey. You better depart from your husband. <laughs> you know? Because she went and got herself remarried again. And so the Bible says in this context, all right, again, we understand it's because of the hardness of a heart. Verse 14, for if the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband, else were your children unclean, but now they are holy. And we've been kind of covering that. Verse 15, but if the unbelieving depart, let him depart. A brother or sister is not under bondage in such cases. And so if, if you're saved and you're teaching the Bible in your home and doing what God called you to do, not messing around, right? And, and doing the best to make that thing work, and they depart and they remain unmarried, you wait till they come back as much as they can. But then if they go and get themselves married out of it, because if they're still married to you and living in another house, they're still married to you, okay? But if they go and then they get married again, the Bible says that you're not in bondage. And matter of fact, you... You know, God doesn't, he says, let them depart. And so it's just wasn't God's intention that it would ever be this way. Look over at Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. 
finish up here. Again, the whole idea of all this is so that your family, you, and your spouse amount to something for God. Okay? This is God's idea of how it should work. And I think he's right. Mark chapter 10, starting at verse 3. Mark, well, start at 2. And the Pharisees came to him and asked him, Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife, tempting him? And he answered and said unto them, What did Moses command you? And they said, Moses suffered to write a bill of divorcement and put her away. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Why has divorce happened? For the hardness of your heart he wrote you this precept. But from the beginning of the creation of God, God made them... For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. There are no more twain but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let not man put... Who joined them together? God did. Did they depart and they're married to somebody? There's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can do. I one time, I, I think it was, I door knocked at this house, and um, I run in there, and the husband... And the wife, there was two people in there and thought they were husband and wife. And there's a bunch of kids running around. And one had been married before to somebody else. Another one had been married before somebody else had intermarried. And then between them, they had kids. And they're like, what are you going to do? There's just nothing you can do. It's a mess. God told you not to do that. But the whole point is, is that, you know what? It's for your benefit so you can serve the Lord the best and your children amount for God. And so this, again, I think it's just a simple thing. You're supposed to use the position God has given you to serve God. And, and so how do we do that? Well, do you trust God that he's gifted you to handle your position? A lot of them, you need to pray for people that are widows and single people so that they are comforted. I know how lonely it was being single. I don't know what it's like to be a widower, though. I mean, I know that you got the children, but... It, the thought is, is if I have less earthly attachments, i got more time for God. Because the whole point is, is that I'm this living sacrifice for God. How much time do I have to serve? And how do I you know, take care of these relationships? You better marry a saved person. And don't just keep lusting, okay? You better have that thing right. That's point three. Point four, married people ought to stay together. And God wants it. Whether if you're saved or lost, lost, saved... So the children can be saved. And so you better remain there. Okay, I'm not going to depart because I'm Mr. Spiritual. I'm going to sit there. Point six, I'm going to consider the children in life and, the, and do what I can to get them closer if they're not, you know, saved. And, and also walking with God. Or a, a wife is to consider her husband. Well, I'm saved now, honey. I don't really want you. <laughs> it might be true. But maybe that guy does, you could use your position and up to that point he was okay. <laughs> and now that's what you were, and, and all of a sudden now you're saying, hey, maybe you'll get saved. I think you might. You know what? And if the unbeliever departs, you just let him go. God didn't want it that way. He never intended it that way. But sometimes that just happens. Again, the position is now. I'm using this position, whether married or single, to mount for something. Father, I did the best I can with this text. I pray that you just bless the words of understanding to those that came. And I might, it might not be the best. I don't know if anybody needed this here. This is what you gave me. And it's our text. I pray you help us just agree that it's right and understand that the world's just dying and going to hell all around us. 
wants of a Savior, they just really might not even need realize they need it. Father, I just pray that if anybody in here is, has a burden for the loss, that they would just give more time to start serving the Lord. We thank you for being so patient with us and giving us salvation and home in heaven and, and just, just earthly blessings. I pray that you would help us get our affections where they should be, set on that heavenly kingdom and on people getting saved and, and for what's the best thing for our house and you. And God, I pray you bless us in Jesus' name.